Hey everyone, and welcome to DarkCast Interviews. I'm your host, Jonathan Miley. DCI is traditionally a long-form interview podcast where we talk to game creators about new and upcoming video games, as well as who they are and what they do behind the scenes. This episode is a little bit different. I recently got some hands-on time with The Division 2, the sequel to the popular open-world RPG shooter from a couple of years ago. In addition, I was able to talk to several people behind the game, and that's what we're bringing you today. In the first segment, I talked to Julian Garrity, the creative director behind The Division 2, and in the second segment, I talked to Keith Evans, the senior lead designer. For more information about the game, check out the links in the show notes to this episode, including my written thoughts about the game and several gameplay videos on YouTube. You can find all of that at darkstation.com, as well as the original Darkcast and other video game reviews, previews, and features. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at darkstation underscore com, find us on Facebook, check us out on YouTube, and email us at podcast at darkstation.com. As always, thank you so much for listening. Now on with the show. start off julian thanks for, for sitting down with me and talking about the division two thank you for coming uh, and playing absolutely if you could i guess start off by saying you know who you are and, and yeah. what you do on the game so uh my name is julian garrity spelled g-e-r-i-g-h-t-y i'm the creative director on the division two very cool very cool and you worked on the division one as well yes sir awesome. uh, i worked on division one we shipped division one and i did the entire post launch for the division one too Okay, awesome. So I'm going to waste um, a little bit of my six minutes because one of the things that I want to know is besides The Division or The Division 2, what is your favorite Tom Clancy game? I've worked on Tom Clancy games for so long. <laughs> um, I think, you know, I, I, I have two that pop into my mind. Blacklist. Okay. I worked on a bunch of Splinter Cells. I didn't That's, work on Blacklist, and okay. Blacklist is by far my favorite. That that is the appropriate answer. So congratulations. Congratulations. Check. Um, sorry. Another would be a right answer. Yeah, there is. Most uh, most any Splinter Cell game would be the right answer. It's, so it's it's a fantastic game. Um, and Ghost Recon Wildlands okay. yep. is remarkably good. Mm-hmm. And the secret for it being magical mm-hmm. is playing it in tier one. Have okay. You, have you played it in the hardest difficulty? No, zone? I have not. You play it in tier one, mm-hmm. and everybody stops fucking around, and it becomes purely tactical shooter, one shot, one kill, open world Excellent. simulation. It is phenomenal. Okay, so I'll have to try that it, out. It's, it's a game mode I've spent 80 hours on, because it's that good. Okay. It is remarkably good. That is awesome. They should have launched that as the base game. That is, I, I previewed uh, Wildlands a couple of years ago, and that was actually kind of my biggest complaint. Was like it just feels kind of a little too just cause Grand Theft Auto e. That that goofy and, yeah. approach to it doesn't serve it uh, any good at all. You you play, and the magical thing about Tier One is that everybody takes it seriously. So you you're not match made with people who don't want to play this right. Gotcha. So it, it becomes a phenomenal experience. I can't speak highly enough about it. Okay, awesome. 
Um, all right. Well, we're we're not talking about Ghost no, Recon. No, no, we're shame because I get really excited. Or blacklist. Um, so, what what is the kind of initial setup for the Division Two for somebody that doesn't know anything about the game? Uh, I think it's seven months after a pandemic mm-hmm. has changed the face of the Earth, and you're going into Washington D.C. as a civilian who is there to make a change, a positive change, to pick the country and civilians up off the ground and to help rebuild the nation. That's, you know, without knowing anything about the division, the technology, that's how I would pitch it. This is you, you, as a civilian who wants to make a difference. Not a soldier, not an elite special agent, not a third echelon agent. This is a civilian with equipment who's going to take back the city. Okay. So what... What are what is Third Echelon or Rainbow Six or the Ghost? What are they doing while all this is going down? What I have no idea. They? <laughs> they don't pay me enough to think of those questions. Uh, so, it's a good one. I've never thought about it once. So um, you worked on the Division One. Yeah. You, you've worked on the Division Two. What is uh, one of your favorite new additions to the new game? I think this is the combination of three years of life of running the first game live. It's a culmination of everything that we wanted to do in the first game that didn't quite make it. If I were to pick two things, one narrative element and one gameplay element, the the narrative element is the stakes are important. The stakes are super high, but what I'm really interested in is how are people living? How are people surviving? And how can we help people thrive and not just survive. So thinking of the you know, Malmo, uh, Maslow's uh, pyramid mm-hmm. and thinking, okay, they have water, they have shelter, uh, security, more or less, but how do we get to that point where people are starting to recreate art or re-enjoy life or see that there can be a better tomorrow despite the circumstances? So it's, it's creating a world that isn't dystopian, that has hope. That, that's the narrative like that. sort of thing. The the gameplay thing, you're going to see the end game presentation, and some of it is definitely in that. But if we're talking about the basic structure of the game, I love what we've done with the open world, which creates a dynamic world around you that always offers challenges and really grounds it in the needs of the different factions. So you understand that a civilian uh, patrol is going to want to go to the hospital to get medicine. It's absolutely grounded. But if you understand that the factions are going to want to get that stuff too. And that becomes a super strategic location, a control point. And those type of activities, I think, are great. Very cool. Now, one of the kind of hallmarks of a lot of Ubisoft open world games is the interaction of multiple things in the environment. So can multiple fact? can you come up on a, a fight between the mm-hmm. factions? You can come up in a fight with two enemy factions plus a civilian faction fighting it out and decide it's not my <laughs> business, that's it, I'm going back to, uh, to the base of operations. It's, um, it, it creates that, that surprise that I think was missing from the first game, where when it did happen, it was magical, but it happened too infrequently. Okay, very cool. Now, in the presentation earlier today, you were talking about how the game simulates the other factions foraging and kind of scavenging, yep. gathering resources. Um, and then once they get strong enough, they'll actually try to do operations in the world. So they'll try to do kind of their own missions. Is that, is that right? It's kind of the system where there are locations that are super important for all of the factions. Like and the hospital. Like a hospital or yeah. a, um, a, 
like an electronics company that has batteries and energy storage mm -hmm. type of things. And those needs create movements, patrols for the different uh, factions, and that can create emergent gameplay. Of okay. course. Very cool. So uh, for somebody that has sunk a lot of hours into the Division I, mm. uh, they've played it, maybe they're still playing it, why should they jump from the Division I to the Division II? I, I don't I think that what we wanted to do is propose a new setting, uh, a new time frame, uh, new mechanics. Uh, you, you played this morning, mm -hmm. the shooting feels much snappier, mm -hmm. more, more intuitive. It feels much more like a shooter. Right. Um, Less spongy. Less, <laughs> absolutely. No, but we can say that. I mean, yeah. for me, it was, it was essential for us to tackle that problem because, yes, we're an RPG and we're always going to be an RPG, but we're a shooter, so we True. need to reduce that disconnection with reality because mm -hmm. that's that makes a big disconnection so sure. you know a combination of better enemy ai uh lower time to kill for the enemy but for you too uh armor chipping off the heavies sure. uh, visible impacts all of this reduces that bullet sponginess and it feels much snappier more instinctive yeah, that's, that's one thing that I noticed fighting one of the heavies and seeing parts fly off. It just kind of clicks in your head that, okay, this is taking 12 clips of ammo to kill the guy, but I can actually see the damage instead of just a, a life bar yeah. uh, twiddling down, which is, is very nice. Um, so maybe somebody that hasn't, either they didn't play the Division One or they played it and it wasn't their thing, uh, what's a reason for them to kind of be drawn into it this time? I, I think the best... The best reason for me is we've created a world with so many stories. And this is a world that is absolutely unique to the Division 2. I mean, mm -hmm. you'll ask different members of the dev team, you'll get different answers. But for me, sure. the world being something recognizable, realistic, recreated one-to-one, -one, and then destroyed. You know? <laughs> and then having this path of transformation where we're thinking of each building, mm -hmm. each street, and trying to have a theme. What would... What would happen if this block of buildings caught fire mm -hmm. and there were no essential services to, to put it out? And you destroy that whole street and create an environmental story there. So when I think about entertainment, there, is, there are only a handful of movies maybe that have that sort of approach. Sure. So we have something that is grounded in reality, large scale, and doesn't really exist for other video games. Sure. So the, the game is set in Washington, D.C. I uh, said it's seven months after the attack. Yeah. Why, why go for Washington, D.C. as a designer, not just, you know, I, like what? What was personal, the attraction? Personal responses. Yeah. I think we researched New Orleans. We researched Seattle. We researched Chicago. The one city that had all the prerequisites for me, which was... Is it Clancy-esque? Mm -hmm. it, does it advance the story? Is it interesting? Uh, does it have icons that are interesting for us to transform? And also, and super important to me, is it varied? Uh, is the environment varied? Because New York, as iconic as it is, it's very grid and you know, steel and glass canyons. Washington is incredibly varied, and that creates super interesting gameplay opportunities. Wide open spaces, nature biomes with Roosevelt Island, uh, Georgetown, smaller European-style houses, 
these massive buildings that scream power, all of this within the location or within the space that we could recreate. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Uh, any other things that you want people to know about the game? I think, I mean, very obviously what you played today, I think it's a super convincing argument. So I would say pre-order for guaranteed access to the beta uh, coming out February 7th. Awesome. Uh, you can also register on www.thedivisiongame.com beta uh, for a chance to be selected to play it too. Okay. And the game comes out March 15th. Okay, well, thank you so much again for, for sitting down with me and talking about the game. And good luck as you guys finish things up and get it out the door and then have the, you know, you can't rest on your laurels. You'll have the, why the long you, road of post-launch. Why would you remind me? I, oh, we were having such a good time. All right, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks so much for sitting down with me and talking yeah, about absolutely. the vision too. Uh, if we can just start things off, um, you know, let everybody know who you are and what you do on the game. Yeah, so uh, Keith Evans, I'm the senior lead designer at Red Storm Entertainment, uh, working on the vision too. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so, senior lead designer. Yes. Okay. It's a mouthful. Uh, it's a silly title. <laughs> so, what is what does all that entail? Basically, I lead the the team of really talented designers at Red Storm. Um, specifically, we're focused on um, the Dark Zones, the three new Dark Zones, uh, the new Conflict PvP mode, and we have our hands in a lot of the uh, the RPG and the balance of the game. Okay. Yeah. And you were one of the main studios that worked on the Division One. Well. Yeah, okay. it's you know all the studios who did the first one are kind of back for the sequel. It's a okay. lot like a huge portion of the exact same team, okay. which is kind of like rarer than you would think, and mm -hmm. honestly, kind of a nice gift because we're able to really push the game forward, continue uh, continue the work we started. A Time ago, which is great. Um, so I got to ask uh, Julian this earlier, and I'm going to go ahead and ask you. Besides the Division One or Two, yes, what is your favorite Tom Clancy game? Oh my Just god! To derail the conversation, wow! Immediately, uh, Splinter Cell, Pandora, Tomorrow. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Did it. Both of you said <laughs> Splinter a, Cell game. That was so, so hard. <laughs> that makes me very happy. Um, you know the Jakarta mission where you get to capture the guy that says Pandora tomorrow. I can't remember his name. That yeah. was an amazing thing. Where that oh my god! That that whole those whole first. I mean, all the games are good, but yeah. those first three games on the Xbox were amazing. Awesome. Yeah. Well, okay. So getting back into the division. Yeah. What's one of the main things that you guys learned over the course, not just you know the original development, but the, the three years that you've been supporting it since then? What's yeah. kind of one of the main lessons that you learned from that that you're taking into the division two? Yeah, I mean, you 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 make the first game and you you put a lot into it, and you know we were feeling pretty good about it, and you release it, and I think everyone was really really happy with that that one through thirty campaign, but then they they hit end game, and at launch there honestly wasn't an end game, right? There was you could go back and replay missions, you could continue clearing the open world, but there wasn't any clear goals for you, there wasn't anything for you to strive for, and I think that's the main thing that we're kind of pushing forward in the sequel and it's been in our heads the entire time is let's ship with not only a great campaign but 
a substantial end game at launch where every night I jump on, I can have a different gameplay experience because I can play missions, I can go do open world, I can play Dark Zone, I can play organized PvP, I can clear my invaded missions for the week. Or, very soon after launch, I have geared up enough to play the eight-player raid. So it's about having that full package at launch uh, that really outlines what the game is once the story ends. Fantastic. Yeah. So was there anything besides, uh, obviously, we're talking about in-game, that's what I just got to play. Yeah. Um, but is there anything else kind of from ground level that you knew had to be in the Division 2 versus yeah. I think we had I think we had some other big design goals. Um, I think you know the first game was was I think more even more of an RPG than players thought it was going to be at launch, right? And a lot of depth came into the gear game very quickly uh, after launch, and a lot of power was given to the players, and that resulted in you know that that criticism that we got a lot, which I think is very fair, which is that there was a, a sense of bullet sponge to the combat. Right, you'd have a machine gun and you're shooting someone with a hoodie on, and it's 60 rounds, and you know it's a, there's a disconnect there. So this time we've had a clear goal from the beginning to keep the combat much more kind of impactful. Keep you know those red bar enemies stay persistent through the game. We don't just phase them out with with always harder enemies because it's not just about the DPS check. They are lethal towards you. Your combat skills matter a lot more. So headshots you know, should down an enemy with a sniper rifle, right? We want that to be something that we, we don't lose as the player gets more power. So we've had to invest a lot into the AI to give them, you know, reasons to occasionally still require more than one shot. So you'll see guys with heavy armor. We brought in drones with the Black Tusk or the, the Big Dog, which yes, really... Yes, are evil. They're yes. evil. They're absolutely <laughs> evil. Um, but, you know, they're there to still push that RPG part of the game still push the player to want to get more and more powerful gear, mm -hmm. but also we never lose that core, fun, cover shooter gameplay. Very cool. Yeah. So, um, you mentioned Black Tusk, that's kind of the, the new faction that invades yes. at the end game. Uh, how does that work? Is Are all of the missions now invaded by the Black Tusk, or what, what's happening with that? Yeah, so the way, the way it kind of works is you, you finish the campaign, we're not going to go into all the story little details, but... Needless to say, the Black Tusk arrive, and they start this invasion into DC. So, the way this works is, in post-launch, in the first game, we added world tiers, and that's kind of was these um, tiers of gear and difficult AI that you could out-level and then move into the next world tier. So now, we still have the world tier system, but you progress through world tiers by gearing up and then clearing the invasion for that world tier. So they feel like these little mini-campaigns of, like, the Black Tusk move in, they invade four or five missions, they invade a stronghold. You have a very clear goal of what you need to do to progress. And then um, we, um, sorry. And then it's all about basically achieving the, the gear you need and the power you need, clearing out the invasion and progressing on. And at the end of that whole journey, you know, then you have the eight player raid. So, okay. yeah. And can you, can you talk about the eight player raid? Like, what's. What yeah. are you doing in that? Yeah, so we're not going into all the details on okay. it, but I'll say that, you know, in the first game we had incursions, mm -hmm. uh, which were kind of our most difficult um, content that, you know, had custom bosses and, and very bespoke missions. Mm -hmm. And But at the core, they were just really hard missions, right? We knew we didn't want to do that again. We wanted to separate this PvE content from the invaded missions, which can get even harder than what you're playing today. You can play them on more challenging difficulties. Um, so that's where we brought in the need for eight players, because it's going to be a lot more about team coordination, and it's it's a true raid with raid mechanics and custom bosses and a, something that players are going to really have to dive into. 
fantastic. Yeah. Um, so if if somebody's played uh, the Division One, they got really invested in it. What yeah. what is the draw to go into the Division Two if they're still having a great time with the Division One? Yeah, you know, I think I think the draw is all the new experiences you're going to offer up to players, we're going to offer up to players, and the fact that you're not losing anything, right? We've taken all the lessons from the first game, all those features that I think players now expect. We don't want to have a, a, a version 2, a sequel, where you have to backslide at all. So everything should be what players expect and more. And so I think, like, the, the different environments the players are going to be able to explore really feels drastically different and offer different combat opportunities um, and you know for the players who still want to play the division we've been running a, a series of uh, challenges uh, shields the players can kind of uh, this, this set of really hard challenges that give you rewards waiting for you inside the division too so we're trying to uh, to really reward those hardcore players for sticking with us awesome so on the reverse side if somebody didn't really care for the division one what's something uh, that you feel like would be a good draw for them to you know, at least give it a shot. Yeah, I think um, there's, a, there's a few things there. I think in the first game, you know, we had the Dark Zone at launch, right? And it was this kind of very, very unusual, almost social experiment version of, you know, player versus environment versus player, where that was the, that was the PvP experience. This time, we, we still have that, but we brought in this layer of, of fairness to the world um, so that there's a layer of normalization so your player skill matters a lot more. And at launch, we have a, a whole organized PvP suite. So I think those shooter players are going to have something that they can really sink their teeth into. And then, like I said, like the feeling of shooter gameplay, I think it, it's especially apparent in that assault on the White House as you're trying to clear that open field. Mm -hmm. I think the shooter gameplay is elevated to a whole different level. I think it's, you know, I think we're in a, a really good spot to offer both RPG fans, but even, even more cater to uh, shooter fans than the first game did. Awesome. Yep. And um, as far as kind of the game going forward once it's out, uh, you guys talked about in the briefing that over the first year you're not going to be splitting the, the player base. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, with content. Can you talk a little bit more about kind of what's coming down the road and how that's going to work? Yeah, so there's, there's still a lot of little details we'll be seeing as we get closer to launch, but the basic idea is that there's three basic major episodes Excuse me, that are going to introduce... Um, new name zones and new narrative missions, and that's something that we didn't do with the first game. We never, we never added more main missions that really expanded the story. And we really want to deliver that this time for those players who are just in, into it for the lore. And then, outside of that, we're going to be adding, you know, multiple raids. We're going to be adding um, additional modes and maps to conflict. Um, you know, lots of lots of other uh, things as well. So I think the. The offering that we're going to have this time for free is going to be equal to what we charged last time for in the season pass. It's going to be really substantial. Fantastic. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, and, I mean, with any game that's online, uh, it's just kind of a, a modern, either good or evil, depending on what yeah. your uh, take is. But, you know, most games have microtransactions. Sure. Uh, how is that handled in the, the game? So we're still ironing out like the, the specific details of everything. We'll outline it all before launch, but what I will say is that we're very much following the model of the first game, which is okay. we're not selling things that give the player power. Um, obviously, there will be some uh, microtransactions for sure, sure right? Um, but we're looking at something that doesn't create imbalance between players and is, is fair for everybody. 
Yeah. Um, and I guess to kind of wrap things up, what is your favorite new addition, whether narrative, gameplay, uh, whatever the case may be, to the division yeah. two? Um, well, that's a really hard question because there's like a <laughs> lot of stuff that's been added. But I think if I had to pinpoint one thing, it's it's actually the the living world simulation. I think it's like the thing that separates this game 100% from the offering last time because you know last time the world was so beautiful, but after a while I didn't have a reason to explore it. I fast traveled a lot. Now I think having the simulation running, having the settlements still matter even in Endgame, um, having variable factions in zones every time I log in based on what is happening in the world, it's going to make the game so much more playable, and it's going to keep offering you new gameplay, you know, for, I think, the long haul. Awesome. Yeah. Alright, well, if um, you could just kind of let people know when and where they can get their hands on the game for the private beta, and when it's going to be out for yeah. public release. Absolutely. So, the game will actually launch on March 15th on PS4, Xbox One, and PC, and the private beta is going to, or the beta is going to launch on February 7th. And uh, I can't wait for everyone to jump in and check it out. Fantastic. Well, yeah. thank you again for sitting down with me. And uh, good luck as you guys finish up the game. Yeah, and thank then you so much. support it for the next, I guess, you know, three years or we're so. Just, we're, we're, we're just starting. <laughs> we're just starting, right? It's, it's awesome. Awesome. Well, All thanks right. again, man. Thank you very much. Well, that does it for this episode of DCI. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find out more information about the game, check out the links in the show notes to this episode, including my written thoughts about the game, as well as several gameplay videos on YouTube. You can find all of that on darkstation.com, as well as the original Darkcast and other video game reviews, previews, and features. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at darkstation underscore com, find us on Facebook, check us out on YouTube, and email us at podcast at darkstation.com. Again, thank you so much for listening, and until next time, have a good one.